Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning. Happy New Year. It is the first Monday of 2022, January the 3rd, and uh, we are glad to be with you here on this uh, on this cold but uh, great and, and uh, bountiful Monday morning here in the city of Tucson. And uh, glad to be on the air here with you. You're listening on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. We are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, and we got a great two hours for you today. Certainly no shortage of things to talk about today because of, not only because of the long weekend, but because of all of the monumental things that happened over the weekend, whether it was the college football playoff or the bowl games that we saw over the weekend in college football, and there were some really, really good ones. Then, of course, we had all the NFL action just running down the board from top to bottom. Yesterday, 16 games on the Sunday slate yesterday, and or 15, I should say, 15 games on the Sunday slate, one tonight. Um, and uh, and there was some really incredible football games being played on uh, on Sunday, a lot of playoff implications being met out. As we now know, we have a little bit clearer picture of, the, uh, of what the NFL playoffs will look like heading into the final week of the season. It's still weird to think that. Like I'm looking at teams with you know 11 and five, 10 and six, nine and seven records, and the season isn't over yet. It's very strange to me. I don't know if you feel the same way. It's taking a lot of getting used to. And talking about week 18 of the football season, which I'm just like, wow, that's uh, <laughs> not not used to that. That's for sure. But uh, nonetheless, the the NFC picture certainly became a lot clearer yesterday. The AFC picture is still like. I don't know. There's like four different teams that could clinch the number one seed in the AFC, the highly coveted number one seed in the AFC. Of course, the Packers clinching that number one seed last night with their absolute just, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is just ridiculous. Like, I mean, and I know that the Vikings were playing shorthanded without having Kirk Cousins out there, and I still think that Sean Mannion is a a capable quarterback. I don't know why they benched him for – uh, for Kellen Mond late in that game, maybe they just wanted to see what Kellen Mond looked like, and then he almost was a pick on his second pass, and then they're like, "Okay, we're done with that." Um, it, it was like it, it was it was a complete mismatch. That Vikings team just never lived up to the expectations. They were missing some key guys for most of the season. You know, a couple of pass rushers. Um, they had offensive, you know, playmakers. You know, in and out of the lineup all season long, whether it be Dalvin Cook. Or now Adam Thielen, of course, having the ankle surgery. Kirk Cousins, you know, was obviously in and out and stuff, uh, especially this week with the uh, the COVID protocols. So it was a, a huge mismatch last night, and the uh, the Packers claimed that coveted number one seed. So um, if you weren't watching and you want to know what it's going to be like to play in Lambeau Field in the playoffs, because that's where you got to go. Every team's got to go through there if they want to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, it was, what, minus six last night at that game? So, great. Uh, but, again, look, it's great for us fans because we get to watch some really cool weather and stuff, especially here in Arizona. I always I always wonder if if fans, you know, like in 
Minnesota or back east or, you know, in the Midwest or places where it snows a lot, if they get as much excitement out of watching the NFL, like snow games, as we do here in Arizona, here on the West Coast, like it's always, whenever it's always, it happens every year. Whenever there's a big snow game, like the game in, in uh, you know, in Buffalo earlier this year, where there's just snow all over the ground. And, you know, you get, like, there's, like, 11 text messages and your buddy's like, dude, have you seen the weather in Buffalo? You get that every year. I don't know if they do that. Like, if you're in Iowa, like, if you're that excited to see the snow games, I, I just I feel like here on the West Coast we're more a little more like, oh, look at that. What is that uh, white powdery stuff falling from the uh, sky? How wonderful. Now let's go play a, a game in that. You know, it's funny because, you know, you think back and, like, if you if you played football or if you played an outdoor sport, specifically football, though, because most of the other outdoor sports are not played during the cold seasons. But you always remember back to that that coldest game you ever played in, right? Like, oh, my God, that game, we were so cold. And it's funny because here, you know, I played, you know, my entire time here in, in, in the state of Arizona, essentially, and I don't re- I don't really have a whole lot of cold games. We certainly didn't have any snow games. Um, there were plenty of cold, wet weather games, but never any kind of snow. And there was one really cold playoff game I played in uh, in Tucson once that was, my God, it was cold as can be down there, but I digress. We uh, we have a ton of football to talk about today. It'll be mostly football. We will, of course, mix in some Arizona basketball as they're back in action tonight, taking on the Washington Huskies in a game that's been rescheduled a couple of times. Finally landed here on January the 3rd. That game will tip off at 6 p.m. tonight at the McHale Center. The Wildcats, I believe, right now are a 22-and-a-half-point favorite against a conference foe, which you will not see very often. Um, but Washington is that bad. I mean, they, they basically have one guy that's tugging the rope for them, Terrell Brown, who has uh, transferred, of course, from Seattle to Arizona, then from Arizona now back to Washington, back up to Seattle, where he's playing for, for Mike Hopkins at UW. And he's really the only one that is even trying to put in an effort to win basketball games there. So uh, they've got real problems there at, at Washington. Mike Hopkins has has already lost that team. Based on on what I've seen from them, they just they they they're not getting it. They they don't care. I don't know what what the real problem is. Um, they don't have the dudes. I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. One thing I do know is they're not very good. In fact, that's being kind. <laughs> they're just flat bad. Like that's a flat. That's a bad basketball team. And uh, hopefully Arizona takes advantage of that tonight. Gets themselves their second conference victory of the season and is able to put away Washington early and can hopefully cruise to a uh, to a nice uh, comfortable victory in the second half. But we'll see. You know, I mean Arizona has this penchant to start games slowly and you know, if they get behind early to Washington gives Washington a shot in the arm, you know, teams love to come to McHale and put their stamp on it. You know, they want to win in McHale. They want to be that team that wins in McHale every year. And uh so Washington will be gunning for them. So we may get Washington's best and we'll see what that what that best looks like. So hopefully uh, for Tommy Lloyd and the crew, they can be focused after this time off, have uh, regrouped, and uh, get ready for their big game tonight against Washington. And then, of course, they travel to Tempe this weekend to take on Arizona State, who got embarrassed yesterday uh, up in Berkeley. They lose that game by 24 points. <clears throat> they put up 50 points. They, they, ASU's problem right now, I mean, they have they have a few problems. Their number one problem, and it's been this way all year, they literally cannot shoot the basketball. Like they cannot shoot, they they shoot three pointers at less than twenty five percent efficiency. They shoot two pointers at less than forty percent efficiency. They I don't know what their free throw percentage is. It's got to be in the low sixties as a team. 
Like they, their players cannot put the ball in the basket. Like that is, it's it's a glaring issue right now for Arizona State. It's not that they turn the ball over terribly. They don't get crushed on the boards. You know they're not they're not an awful defensive team. They cannot score. Period. It's like in Oregon's the same way. Oregon can't put the ball in the basket either. So interesting year in the Pac-12. Oregon, I have faith, will get things turned around. They'll figure things out. Dana Altman, they've got talent. You know, Dana Altman will figure th- them some things out. It seems like Oregon is a slow starting team every single year because of the amount of transfers that Altman relies on in his recruiting classes. Uh, Arizona State's a different story. Like, they're just they're bad. Like they're just the guys they brought in aren't playing well. They're not playing well as a team. And now Bobby Hurley is starting to get the 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 old hot seat treatment uh, across the country. A lot of national writers are uh, talking about Bobby Hurley, kind of like, oh, I don't know how much longer he has there. And and I'll be honest, I mean, for not just for the winning and losing reasons, I don't think Bobby Hurley is going to be there in two thousand, you know, to start the two thousand twenty two season. Anyway, you know, for for next year, I don't think he's going to be there anyway. I think either way, he opts out of his contract, takes another job somewhere, or he gets fired. I think one of one of the two things will happen. I don't. I think this is the last year we're seeing Bobby Hurley there uh, at Arizona State. And, like, there's a lot of things that have gone on, and not just the you know the winning and the losing, the inconsistent play. There's other things that have been going on there that he's definitely not happy with. So we'll keep an eye on that. <clears throat> but keeping it local here in the NFL yesterday, look, I. I I gave the Cardinals very little credit, and I gave them very little chance to win this football game against Dallas. I said last week on multiple occasions that I don't think the Cardinals are going to win another game the, the rest of this season, whether it be regular season or playoffs. I don't think I didn't think they were going to beat Dallas. I thought they were going to lose to Seattle. They still might. Uh, and I thought they were going to lose their first-round playoff game, which they still might. But they did get over one hurdle. They beat the Cowboys in Dallas yesterday. And Look, the Cardinals really rose to the occasion. They beat Dallas by a score of 25-22. It was a um it, it wasn't a great game to watch. There were some there were some big plays in the game, but really it was the Cardinals just kind of dictating the pace of play, how the game was played. And and honestly, when you know, when I went back and kind of looked over some things, obviously watching the games yesterday was there was some impressive play. Isaiah Simmons was was incredible yesterday, as was Anton uh, Wesley. I thought he was just fantastic, and Kyler had some great moments as well, of course. Um, but thinking back to you know to everything, and, and you know, once I started to kind of break down how the Cardinals won this game, how the game went, and looking at some of the things that have plagued them that didn't show up in this particular game against the Cowboys, look, it, it was it was real simple for me to figure out how the Cardinals won this football game. They went back to the basics, and they made fundamentals their key to the game. Like, they just said, look, look, we, we, need, we need to limit penalties. We need to protect the football. We need to stop the run. Three things that they have not been able to do over the last several games. And... <clears throat> They made fundamentals a priority, and you know both coaches, Cliff Kingsbury and Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator, talked about that. They just said we had to kind of take it back down to, you know, take it down to the nub and start rebuilding from there. Make sure that we were buttoned up, uh, penalty wise, not doing not you know not doing things to, that that just completely killed ourselves. That scuttled drives on offense or gave teams first downs on defense. And really, they did a they did a great job, you know, f- for the most part in limiting penalties. Something that's plagued them over the last several weeks, and 
it was almost like one of those situations where you were just waiting for the Cardinals to kill their own drive with a penalty or to extend the other the opposing team's drive with a penalty. It was just a matter of time. Watching Cardinal football is like, okay, when is that penalty going to happen? Because you knew it would, and it most oftentimes did. But penalties were mostly a non-factor on Sunday. They had they were penalized seven times for 45 yards, so a, a limited distance in the penalties that they did uh, that, that were accepted against them. And it was really largely on one drive. It was that first touchdown drive for for Dallas at the end of the first half, right? It's it's 10 nothing. Cardinals are controlling the game. They let a couple of DPIs get through, defensive pass interferences. One was eh, one was iffy. The other one was obvious, and it negated an interception by Buda Baker, which was kind of a huge penalty there. Um, and then they had the one offsides penalty that, that gave uh, Dallas right before the, the touchdown throw. It was third and ten. They threw the incomplete pass, but it was offsides on the Cardinals, so it gave the, the Cowboys new life. It allowed them to replay the down, essentially, and then they scored the touchdown. So, look, those were a couple of big penalties, but that's where it ended. Like, that, that was it. It was just that one drive. They had those three penalties. Uh, one of them negated interception. One of them extended the drive, and it allowed the, the Cowboys to score their touchdown, their first touchdown, which was late in the first half. But then the Cardinals bounced right back. They answered. You know, they went on a, a minute and twenty drive. Prater gets the fifty-three yard field goal to end the half. It's thirteen-seven. It's almost like no harm, no foul. It's like okay, we're good. Like it was ten nothing. Now it's ten-seven. Okay, kind of you know clinching a little bit here. Defense gave up some some penalties in that particular game or that particular drive. But then they it just they went right back down the field, kicked the field goal. They're up thirteen seven. They're feeling good about themselves, and that's kind of the rest of the way the rest of the game went. They they only had uh, three penalties assessed in the second half, which is <laughs> if you watch Cardinals football over the last several weeks, that's amazing to think that they only had three penalties, accepted penalties in the second half, which is uh, remarkable. The other aspect of that game yesterday, in going back to the fundamentals, keeping things basic, was protecting the football. The Cardinals, who had been turning the ball over at a pretty alarming rate heading into their game last week, uh, of course, you know the the, uh, the game against the Colts, which seemed like forever ago, it almost seems like two weeks ago that they played, it almost was, I guess, um, but that Christmas night game against the Colts, going into that game, they were having some real troubles protecting the football. Well, since the beginning of that game on Christmas, they have now had zero turnovers. Now they've gone two games without a with a turn without a turnover. They had zero turnovers against the Colts, none against the Cowboys. The Cardinals have run 136 offensive plays in those two games, which, first of all, is a lot. <laughs> I think they would they run 70, 72 yesterday against the Cowboys. It's a lot, but zero turnovers. And by the way, Colts and, and Cowboys. If you look at the defensive stats on the season, they are number one and number two in the league. In turnovers, in, in turning teams over. They're the best, two best defenses in the league in turning teams over. The Cardinals, zero turnovers versus those two defenses in the 136 offensive plays they ran. Very, very impressive. Protecting the football is uh, – you talk to any coach. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not saying things that are just monumentally groundbreaking uh, you know, information here. You protect the football – you win the turnover margin, that gives you the best chance to win out of any metric in any sport. If you, if you look across sports, the team with the fewer turnovers is the team that usually wins the game, more so than anything else. 
So huge for the Arizona Cardinals, especially against those two defenses, when you would expect them to give up the ball a little bit more often, you know, especially considering what they were doing when they were coming into those two games. And finally, stopping the run. I know it's boring, and in the NFL it may not mean a whole hell of a lot because of the way teams throw the football, but you can't throw the football 80 times a game in the NFL. You just you can't do it. Uh, you can run the ball 80 times a game and still win a football game, a la New England Patriots versus Buffalo Bills. It wasn't 80, but just, you know, go with me here. But stopping the run is still one of the most important things to do in the NFL. And it, it's, it's a basic, fundamental thing for defenses to stop the run. The Cowboys, if you watched that game yesterday, <laughs> there was nowhere for them to run. Nowhere. The Cardinals went back to basics. There wasn't anything fancy. They didn't do anything fancy with, with run stunts and run blitzes. They weren't, um, they weren't showing them any kind of really bizarre fronts that, uh, that the Cowboys weren't able to deal with. It was literally just the Cardinals playing stout run defense. They played excellent gap uh, you know, responsibility. They were swarming to the ball carrier. When, uh, you know, as soon as somebody got the ball, they were swarming to it. There were two or three, you know, white helmets swarming to that ball at least. That, that, that's, you know, that's how you stop the run. That's, that's how you do it. You get your run fits. You get your, your gap responsibility. You sit in that gap. You don't overplay the ball. And you make sure that they have nowhere to run. And that's exactly what the Cardinals did yesterday. Cowboys had 17 attempts, 17 rushing attempts yesterday, which is a very low number. Uh, because they realized, well, they were down early, but also they realized that they just weren't going to be able to run the football. Uh, Cowboys had 17 rushing attempts for 45 yards yesterday. That's 2.6 yards per carry, and they only got two first downs on the ground. And one of them was a 12-yard run by Dak Prescott, who was their leading rusher, by the way, who had 20 yards rushing in the game. Just a complete dominant performance by the defensive front seven. Like, they, they just they killed it yesterday. And all that being said, it was still a three-point ball game, and there was still some, you know, some some cause for concern at, at certain points until Isaiah Simmons, of course, knocked that ball out of Dak's hand, recovers the fumble, and that essentially set up the uh, the game-winning field goal, which put the game uh, put the game away. So, great performance by the Cardinals. I don't know a whole lot of people who were picking them to win that football game, if anyone, and uh, they came away with a victory. That was a big one. Like that was. That was a huge game, and now the Cardinals find themselves 11-5. and Up next is a home game against Seattle as the Seahawks come to town after they scored like a million points yesterday. We'll talk about some of the other things that happened in the NFL here in hour number one. Um, but if you look at the playoff scenarios, where the Cardinals fit in, they're currently the five seed in the NFC, which means that they would travel to Dallas again in week one of the NFL playoffs if the playoffs started today. But they don't. There's still a lot to determine. And I'll tell you, that 49ers-Rams game is becoming one of the three biggest games in the NFL next weekend. That game has so many playoff implications in it. It's unbelievable. Now, the Cardinals can still clinch the NFC West. They can't, they can't get the number one seed because that's been locked up by the Green Bay Packers with their win last night. But they can get as high as the number two seed. If they beat the Seahawks and the 49ers beat the Rams, then the Cardinals win the West. And depending on what happens with Tampa and Dallas, the Cardinals could end up with a two seed, which would, I mean, I mean, say what you will about the Cardinals not playing well at home. You don't want to travel in the playoffs. You just don't. 
you want to be home, regardless of how poorly you've played. And I know the Cardinals have won eight games on the road this year and all this and that. Look at the if you if you look at the history of teams that have won eight road games in a season and how well they fared in the playoffs, only one of those teams ever reached the ever reached the Super Bowl. Every one of those teams that won all those road games throughout the season eventually lost somewhere along the line in the playoffs and it usually happened on the road. I think there's been like six or seven teams that have uh, that have won eight games on the road in a season, and uh, it has not gone well for them. Only one team even reached the Super Bowl, and I think that was the Cardinals. So, um, still a lot of a, a lot of of seeding to be done here for the Arizona Cardinals and in the NFC. We'll talk about the NFC and the AFC playoff outlook. The AFC is is cloudy as hell. Like it, <laughs> there's a lot that can happen in the AFC playoffs. But uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll try to to clear it up a little bit for you here coming up after the break. When we return, some more NFL. There was some interesting games yesterday, and a couple of games featured fifty or more points being scored, and a shootout in Cincinnati. All that and more. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Join Spears and Ali tonight for Monday Night Football as they broadcast live from the famous Sam's a River in La Cholla. You can watch the show live from 3 to 6 and then stick around for the Browns and Steelers immediately afterwards on Famous Sam's 42 Television. They've got a great selection of draft beer and, of course, the delicious food. Try the pastrami sandwich. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Happy hour from 2 to 6 at the Famous Sam's there. Of course, it's a clean and friendly spot. I've been there many, many times uh, to watch games. Great place to go. So check them out. Head over there to see Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6, broadcasting live from the Famous Sam's at River La Choya, and then stick around for some Monday night football afterwards. The NFL yesterday, speaking of the Steelers, by the way, they're not dead yet. It's kind of like <laughs> like that scene in uh, in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like, bring out your dead. Like, I'm not dead yet. Like, you will be soon. Well, we keep waiting to say that for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they keep fighting back. And uh, with a win tonight, they could uh, continue to find themselves a more viable option in the playoffs. And the Browns have been eliminated, by the way. So the Browns are going to have to wait till next year. They got some soul searching to do. Eh, that team, that team is falling apart. It's full of a bunch of me guys, and I'm not sure that uh, Baker is the option there at quarterback. But uh, you know, not my team, and uh, they've got to figure some things out over there. The 49ers stayed alive with a home win over the Texans yesterday without Jimmy Garoppolo. It was Trey Lance, the rookie, stepping in for the uh, for the injured Garoppolo who. Listen, there was a lot of a lot of gamesmanship going on by uh, by Kyle Shanahan this week, and like, oh, you know, we're gonna put we're not gonna put Jimmy G on the injury list, and he's you know he's gonna be a game time decision. Look, he suffered a grade three thumb sprain in on his throwing hand. Like that's for a quarterback, that's like a two month recovery time. Like he's done. He's he's not coming back <laughs> this season. He's done. So it's gonna be the Trey Lance show. For the 49ers, and now, look, it was against a team who's got four wins on the season. They were 4-11 coming in where the Houston Texans, and they've given up a ton of points on defense, and 
you know, they haven't been great. But Trey Lance yesterday, 16 of 23, 249 yards, threw a couple of touchdown passes, one to Debo Samuel, another one to Elijah Mitchell. Uh, and the 49ers get that win 23-7. to They stay alive in the NFC playoff hunt. And, you know, they're kind of a linchpin right now, are the 49ers. They, you know, they determine, they're going to determine a lot of things with their game next week. Now, they're going to be playing the Rams next week. The the Rams, which we haven't talked about yet, and we will talk about the Rams because they've got some problems right now, and their main problem is their quarterback. Um, but, you know, they're, they're playing the Rams this weekend, and Kyle Shanahan's beaten, beaten Sean McVay five times in a row and six out of the last eight times that they've played. Like, it's... It, it's it's not been a rivalry at all. It's more like the rivalry between a hammer and a nail. Like Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay, owns him. Uh, it's a huge, huge game for both teams and for other teams in the NFC as well. That might be that might be the biggest game in the NFC next week. When when it all when it all comes down to it, that might be the biggest game in the NFC uh, in Week 18. So, but we'll have a you know full preview of all that kind of stuff, and we'll get you ready for that as we go through some of the playoff seedings and such as we get ready to uh, to look into the Week 18. Still weird for me to say that uh, matchups. As I said earlier, the Packers clinched number one seed. They dominate the Minnesota Vikings last night on the frozen tundra. Now, here's the interesting thing about the Packers. I, I don't know where I don't know where I sit with this personally like like my opinion of this because I've seen teams do extremely poorly with long rest and I've seen teams do extremely well with long rest you know there were all those years that Tony Dungy would you know the, the Colts would would they'd have their division wrapped up by week 12 like they were the most dominant team in that division forever right with Peyton and Tony Dungy and then Dungy would rest all of his starters in the final week of the season or even the final week and a half they wouldn't play the second half of week 16 and they wouldn't play week 17 and then they'd come out for the playoffs, and they get beat in the first round almost every single year. I mean, it happened a lot to the Colts. They were rusty. The Packers will not play a meaningful football game until the weekend of January 22nd, 23rd. That's a long time to wait to play a football game. Now, you may look at it as, well, they're going to get some guys back. Jair Alexander should be ready to go by then. David Bakhtiari, even at... You know, even if he's at like 80%, I'd still rather have him out there than anyone else. He's that good. And it gives Aaron Rodgers some time for that toe to heal up a little bit to where if it gets stepped on, it won't be as extremely painful as we've seen it in the past. But that is a long time off. That's a long layoff there. And, again, not every player is going to get that time off. But it, it, I don't know. We'll see. Again, I'm not a big fan of those long layoffs. I'd almost if – I'm, if I'm Matt LaFleur, I'd rather – uh, Aaron Rodgers will go out there and play the first half of next week's game against the Lions. I, I know the Lions, it's the Lions. Maybe you get him up, you know, two couple touchdowns, just get him a rhythm, work up a lather, and then take him out. I, I don't know, but I don't like having those long layoffs. That's just me personally. The uh, the Bengals and the Chiefs got into a shootout yesterday. That was a fun one. Bengals win that game 34-31, and we'll talk about the end of that game coming up a little bit later on in the show because – uh, interesting decisions being made by the Bengals head coach there, and I'm not sure that it's the right decision to have been made. But nonetheless, they got the dub, and uh, we will talk about that. But now the Bengals, you know, of course, they win the AFC North. They got ten and six on the year. They, uh, you, you know, and, and they are, are, you know, looking like a pretty good team heading into the uh, heading into the playoffs. And we'll talk about one of their stars coming up in the Dean's list and the Dunce list as well.
Raise your hand if you had Nick Sirianni as the rookie coach to take his team to the playoffs this year. Put your hands down. <laughs> Stop. Don't do that. Don't lie to yourselves. Even the most staunch Philadelphia Eagles fan was like, uh-uh, we ain't making it this year. Not with the way that Dallas and Washington are stacked and with this coach that can't even perform at a, at a press conference. Not happening. The Eagles clinched a playoff berth yesterday, hanging on for dear life against the Washington football team in a game that they won 20-16. to <laughs> And Nick Sirianni is the first rookie coach this season to clinch a playoff spot. I, 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 gave, the, I gave the guys zero credit. I am on record with some of my buddies as saying, I think that the Eagles are going to be the worst team in the NFC. That <laughs> did not happen this year, man. They are in the playoffs. And I am mightily impressed with Nick Sirianni. I'm impressed with Jalen Hurts. I'm impressed with some of the other guys, you know, Boston Scots and some of the other guys they got there. The defense has played well. Uh, that's a team that could have been railroaded from early on. But, man, they have stayed the course. And I am very impressed with the way the Eagles have, uh, have finished out this season. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we return. More NFL, including one team that should be dancing because they're staying alive. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, I guess it was too much to ask of the Indianapolis Colts who were on a roll heading into their game against the Las Vegas Raiders yesterday. It was too much to ask of them to just play well, play decent at home, and put the Raiders away, put the Raiders out of their misery because the Raiders, now winners of three in a row, continue to be staying alive in the AFC playoff. It's, it's the, 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 first of all, the Colts absolutely just ruined, ruined my parlay yesterday. Ruined it. I had, <laughs> I had a phenomenal day yesterday outside of the stinking Colts game. I guess it was just too much to ask to play decently enough at home to put away the stinking Raiders. But no, 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 no. Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro have to show up, play big. Josh Jacobs had a nice game. Raiders defense played well. I, look, and, and I'll be honest with you, the Colts were lucky to be in that game. On on the, the the last play of the first half, instead of kicking a field goal, Frank Reich's like, nah, we're going to go for it here. With three seconds left on the clock, if they don't get in, they don't score, half ends, and you get no points going in, and things are looking real bad for you. Like, I thought that was an interesting an interesting take there because, what was it, 13, it was 13-3. I mean, you could have been down 10 coming out of the, coming out of the, uh, the locker room there. So, Frank Reich showing some stones. And uh, look, I, I get it. You, you got the best running back in the NFL. You give him the ball. You, I mean, you, you, you know, you're here to win football games. I get it. And then the first touchdown of the second half, Carson Wentz just heaves the ball into the air at the end zone. <laughs> He's lucky he didn't get intercepted. And T.Y. Hilton comes down with a ball that got tipped twice in the, at the at the goal line, and uh, falls into the uh, into the end zone for the for the touchdown there. I, they, they were lucky to be that close to it. And give the Raiders credit, who are now 9-7 and seven on the season and still in the AFC hunt. Uh, I mean, they've, they've got a chance. <laughs> they've got a chance to get in the playoffs. They, just when you think they were dead, nope, they'd be staying alive. 
And like I said, look, the Steelers somehow still alive in the AFC hunt. They will not die. The Ravens, even after losing again yesterday. Look, the Ravens were 8-3 and three in Week 12. 8-3. and three. <laughs> And are now, I mean, you know, I mean, having a hard time finding a way to get in, but they're 8-8. Eight and eight. They've lost five in a row, but hey, uh, who cares? They're keeping games close. They keep every game they play, it seems like, to within one or two points. I should have known better uh, than to put them on the – on the uh, my Friday five on Friday or last week on Thursday because uh, you know I had them not covering that spread and I should have known better because the Rams look as good and talented as they are until Matt Stafford gets that monkey off of his back of the ability to win playoff like games because he's never won a playoff game before. He does have a ton of fourth-quarter comebacks in his career, 42 of them to be exact. But, man, dude just continues to falter late in seasons. He had two more picks yesterday, nearly cost him the game against a a completely decimated secondary in Baltimore. So if you're a Rams fan right now, be thankful for all of the other superstars that you have on that football field because – Matt Stafford ain't doing it right now. And thankfully for, for the Rams, they have Cooper Cup, who is just a remarkable football player. My God, I, I, he's so good. I watch him play, and I'm just like, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He's not the biggest guy. He's got great hands. He runs great routes. And somehow, when he catches the ball, he's able to elude tacklers enough. It seems like he gets a first down every time he touches the ball, every single time. Whether it's a two-yard pass, a 15-yard pass, it doesn't matter. Like, he, he, he's got to be near the league leaders in first downs. And I know he's got 1,800 yards receiving. I get it. But as far as, like, the total first downs, like, he's got to be up there. There was three balls yesterday that were thrown well shy of the sticks. Well shy of the sticks. I mean, they were short passes, little three- and four-yard passes. And Cooper Cup was able to, you know, kind of slip right here, oh, stiff arm here, and then we'll slide and dive forward, and, oh, it got the first down by two yards. <laughs> it's just remarkable how good he is once he gets the ball in his hand. Once he has a ball, if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, if he does have the ball in his hands, he, he's just he's electric. He's fantastic. So I uh, love watching him play. The, uh, the Titans wrap up the AFC North, and, look, I know that a lot of people probably don't even realize that he's the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Yo, just hand Mike Vrabel the Coach of the Year trophy right now, please. Just hand it to him. That team has been absolutely run through the ringer, whether it comes to uh, whether it's the injury bug, whether it's the COVID COVID bug. They got blown out. And they got their doors blown off in week number one by the Arizona Cardinals. Could have been an indicator of what this season was going to look like for them. They were healthy, you know. They were obviously week one. They were, for the most part, as healthy as, as anybody else going into that game. And since then, they've just continued to lose star player after star player after star player. And since then, all they've done is go 11-4 and four after that game and have now clinched the, the AFC South over the Colts. <laughs> uh, it, it's just it's a remarkable season for the Tennessee Titans, and Mike Vrabel has done just an incredible job with them yesterday, and I love the video of the uh, of the locker room yesterday after their win, and he's talking, and you can tell the players love playing for Vrabel. They just uh, it's it's easy to see why you know he's he's a, he's a players coach, 
And for those of you who are familiar with football practices and things like that, when he said, I'll see you on Wednesday, it took the players about 1.3 seconds to realize what that meant, and then the party was on. So good for Vrabes. Good for the Tennessee Titans, man. Uh, that's a uh, that's a good football team. I would not want to play them in the playoffs if I'm a fan of another AFC team. That is a physical football team. They make enough plays to to get them through, and the Miami Dolphins found out yesterday just how explosive they can be. They just smoked Miami, smoked them. What, 34-3? to Was that the final of yesterday's game? That, was, that game wasn't even close. And then finally, now I, I – I'm not going to get into this too much. I'm going to let people listen to the the folks that are closest to this person and closest to the situation. But the Antonio Brown situation in Tampa Bay, obviously his tenure there is over. His his time playing for the Buccaneers is over and done with. Bruce Arians made that abundantly clear yesterday during his press conference after the game. And, you know, his antics – and all of the other things that have, that have gone on in his time in the NFL, whether it be the, uh, you know, whether it be the the you know the um, the, the like the fake COVID, uh, you know, the fake vaccination cards, or whether it's, you know, the, just the the constant problems. I mean, the the prima donna, the you know whatever whatever you want to call it, just the the, the distractions on the field, off the field of Antonio Brown finally came to a head yesterday and there was probably some discussion between he and Bruce Arians i don't know whether he was unhappy if he wasn't getting the ball or if he wasn't in on certain packages in the in the game yesterday he and uh he and coach Arians had it out in the second quarter apparently they went into the they went into the uh to the locker room at half came out and Arians said go ahead get on the field and Antonio Brown's like oh no you want me now no i'm not going out there and Aaron is like, get your butt out there. Go get out there on that field and play football. Antonio Brown's like, nah. <laughs> and so Bruce Aaron's like, fine, get your butt out of here. Go. Get off my field. And Antonio Brown, in very much A-B fashion, decided to disrobe and run off the field while adulating the New York Jets fans running through the uh, through the end zone on his way out of the stadium he, where he then tried to flag down a New York State trooper to take him to the airport. With He, he wasn't wearing a shirt. He didn't have his wallet on him. He was able to find a an Uber driver, a, apparently a famous Uber driver, a guy that has like a million followers on Instagram. How he found this guy, beyond me, who knows. But uh, nonetheless, there was, uh, there was some interesting pictures and video and stuff out there of him heading to the airport. Um, look, I don't. I don't know. I know a lot of people were like, oh, it's that hit that he took in the Cincinnati game so many years ago, and he's got CTE and he's got problems. Like, we don't know that. Antonio Brown was a basket case before all that happened. We know this. It's been documented that he had problems in college. There were reasons that he slipped in the draft. There are reasons that he didn't go to some of the bigger programs in the country, even though he was a highly, highly rated recruit coming out of high school. But there were a lot of character issues with him, and that's why he – ended up where he did, and uh, it's kind of been the case with him throughout his career. He's ended up where he's been because of his attitude or because of his uh, his mental problems, whatever they may be. 
So I'm not going to blame it on CTE. I'm not going to blame it on that, you know, that big hit that happened in the in the Cincinnati game that knocked him out, that brutal hit. I mean, it, look, it, it, look, that's one of the most brutal hits you'll ever see. Um, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for the guy. There's a lot of players in the NFL that, that go through CTE that have problems with the concussions and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not about to make excuses for this dude. You, you know, you have your, your wits about you for the most part, and he completely lost it yesterday, just completely lost it. And he'll never work in the NFL ever again, ever, period. No one. No one will ever – I saw some, some writer for the Raiders yesterday, like, they should give Antonio Brown a look. Are you, are you crazy? Are you absolutely kidding me? <laughs> okay, sure. Just because you think he fits with the Raiders, stop. Referring a friend on FanDuel Sportsbook could be your ticket to Super Bowl 56. Yeah, that's right. When you refer a friend on FanDuel Sportsbook, you'll be entered for a chance to win an all-expenses-paid trip to Super Bowl 56 for two. Don't miss FanDuel's biggest refer-a-friend offer ever before they were giving you 50 bucks. Now they're going to give you something a lot worth a hell of a lot more than 50 bucks. All you have to do is share your exclusive referral link, uh, link easy for me to say, right from the Sportsbook app. And once your friend places any bet of $10 or more, you both get $50, and you'll be entered into the Super Bowl sweepstakes. So if you or a friend has been thinking about joining FanDuel, this is the perfect time to give it a shot. There are plenty of ways to bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. They give you a ton of options as far as uh, parlay cards and different kinds of uh, markets to bet in. There's a lot of fun things you can do live in-game in the NFL and, of course, tons of great promotions and such that are always hitting, uh, hitting you up there, and, and uh, uh, they give you teasers and all kinds of different uh, promotions there. So it's a lot of fun. Plus, when you, get, when you win, you get paid out in less than two hours. It's great. Uh, if you're new to FanDuel, you can sign up using my promo code DEAN to get your risk-free bet up to $1,000 so you can make every moment more this postseason in the NFL and in other leagues as well. But use my promo code DEAN. So use my promo code to get your risk-free bet to $1,000, then get your buddy to sign up and get you guys uh, a chance to win those uh, Super Bowl 56 tickets. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Refer a friend for your chance to win a trip to Super Bowl 56. 21 and over and present in Arizona. Referred players must wager $10 within 28 days after signing up. Bonus issued as site credit and is non-withdrawable and expires after seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. No purchase is necessary for the Super Bowl ticket promotion. Super Bowl promotion closes on January 9, 2022. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. More NFL after this on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Who will be the number one seed in the AFC? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Could be, could be the Tennessee Titans. Could be the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it won't be the Buffalo Bills. They have been eliminated. However, somehow, some way, and I don't know how this all works out, the New England Patriots have not been eliminated from earning the number one overall seed in the AFC. Like, somehow it can happen. Now, according to the playoff metrics, it has a 1% chance of happening, so very likely that it won't. But they do have a chance, even though they're not going to win the division. Or, well, I guess they could still win the division. If Buffalo decides to uh, lay an egg, 
this uh, this upcoming weekend, which is very possible. I mean, you know, they you know they're going to play the Jets, and uh, the Jets have been scaring some teams here and there, and the Patriots are going to go play the Dolphins, and uh, the Dolphins have been eliminated, so Dolphins are done. But um, yeah, so look, an interesting interesting uh, weekend that we have heading into Week 18. And heading into the playoffs, still a lot of implications. The Bengals could still win the number one overall seed. I don't know how scary the Bengals are. Like, there's they they've had a roller coaster of a season, but they're ten and six, and obviously they have one of the most dangerous wide receiver quarterback connections in the league, which we'll talk about coming up after the break. Because coming up at eight o'clock, it's my Monday staple, the Dean's List and the Dunce List, my three heroes and three zeros from the weekend that was, and I'll be honest with you, I had a hard time narrowing my zeros down to three. A lot. <laughs> There's some low-hanging fruit out there that I avoided, but uh, there was a lot out there. Not all coming up, of course, at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Also in the 8 o'clock hour, we'll talk about the college football playoff. Was the BCS right? Did the BCS get it right? Should we even have a playoff? Should we go back to having no playoff in college football? We'll talk about that. Arizona basketball is in action tonight against Washington. We'll preview that game for you. Still a whole lot to do here with one hour to go on the Jeff Dean Show. It's a quick turnaround. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Casino Del Sol Studio, the soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXC HD4 Tucson.